Hey there, welcome to the Happy Client Show. My name is Ben Butler, and I'm joined here in studio, coffee in hand, by my co-host, Andrew Dimsky. Andrew, how's it going today? Ben, it's going it's going well. I'm excited about this. This is a an area, a subject we're diving into today that's a little personal. It's an area that's caused us a lot of friction and tension as we've grown our agency, but kind of perfecting and, and thinking about this process has really, really helped out our agency. And I think it's helped us deliver better results for our clients as well. So I'm excited to dive into this. Um, but just, it kind of brings up some bad memories as well. So it's a yeah. good topic. Yeah, for sure. I, I really do think that 90% of agencies struggle with the onboarding process and it really just comes down to taking a step back and being intentional and identifying pain points and predicting results ahead of time can really make an onboarding successful because onboardings are the make or break time period for a new relationship. You have to think of the onboarding as a time for you to strengthen your partnership fast and early because at this point in the game, things are young, things are fragile, they need nurtured, and they need strengthened, and you have to do that. For new client engagements, it's absolutely vital to ensure that everyone is on the same page, especially for inbound, which for a lot of people is a culture change. It's not just a marketing change, it is an internal culture change. And that's where things, as I like to say, fall off the bus or the wheels fall off the bus is that people don't have that culture change. They don't experience it. They don't feel it and they don't understand it. And again, all the failed client relationships that we've had over the years can be attributed to poor onboardings. So again, it's very personal. And this is within the context of a larger conversation. We put kind of leading into the game plan, uh, there's game plan discovery meeting, which is the in-person or via call where we really dive in. But leading up to that, there are steps that you can take as well. So it's kind of that combination to create the perfect onboarding. So without further ado, here are the five steps to the best client onboarding ever. Andrew, do you want to kick us off with step one? Yeah, the first one is just making sure that you get all the core team members around the table. So for us, this is this happens in the game plan discovery meeting. That's going to be the first in-person or on go-to meeting if they're remote meeting that we have. And we don't just want to meet with the marketing department. We don't just want to meet with the sales department. We need to have the core decision makers in there. So that's the president of the company, the CEO, the owner, CFO, um, engineering, customer support. We want to get everyone around the table because – when the company grows, that doesn't just help the marketing department. It helps everyone. So for us to get an understanding of what's going on, we've got to have those decision makers around the table. And this is also the opportunity to create that sort of transition. So if you had a, a, a point of contact, your sales team and maybe a, and a senior account manager maybe who came in at the end of the sales process, closed the deal out, this is the time to kind of hand that off and introduce the client to the rest of your team that's going to be servicing the account. So maybe there's project managers, maybe there's junior account um, representatives there. There's a chance to get them in the room and get everyone to meet each other and really use this opportunity to get out to other aspects of the organization outside of that marketing department and get everyone around the table. Because for it to be successful, you need buy-in from more than just that marketing person. You need to have the CEO bought in so that they, from the top down, Folks understand that this is something that the company's up to. And also it can give it can allow you to create advocates outside of the marketing department. And if you can do that, if you can connect with someone in customer service or connect with someone um, you know, in engineering or something like that who's had always had a passion for teaching, uh, this is a really, really good opportunity to share that 
Um, it's your chance to set the ground rules and just help folks understand what to expect moving forward and really lay out, you know, what is the theme. And really, Ben, the big takeaway here is this is your opportunity to differentiate yourself from any other marketing agency they've ever worked with. It's your chance to position yourself as the solution provider, as that best-in-class expert on inbound marketing. You are guiding them on this client journey, this you know, season two of Happy Client Show. We're talking about the client journey that we want to walk people down. This is your chance to teach them that you are the conductor here, that you are walking them down this journey, and laying out these ground rules and expectations are a really, really big part of step one when you get everyone around the table. So make sure you take advantage of that opportunity while the iron's hot and set the expectation in the sales process that you know if we can't get the CEO, if we can't get these core people around the table, we're not the agency to work with because it might be easy in that time to just say, yeah, that's fine. We'll talk to just the marketing department or yeah, bring in a couple of salespeople. That's fine. But if you can't get the CEO in, if he doesn't, if he doesn't believe in inbound enough to give you two or three hours of time, then it's only a matter of time until the whole relationship is put off by that. So take the opportunity to get everyone around the table because, you know, if, if you don't do that, if, and then step two is, you know, sharing a vision, if you can't share the vision with the top, how are you going to dig down deep and really create change throughout that organization? So there I spooled it then. Step two is develop a roadmap to share. Maybe you can just dive in a little bit. What does the roadmap look like and how can we position that well when we're talking to different members of the organization who might not know what inbound is or really why it matters? Yeah, absolutely. And in episode 13, shameless plug, we discussed the four milestones in depth. And as we said, we dropped some serious meat in that episode. So for more information, I'll link it in the show notes. Definitely go check it out. But you want to share this roadmap. And I, I always like to think of this more than just a roadmap. I like to think of this as like that fantasy map that you see in Lord of the Rings with all the scrawlings and the milestones and the danger points. That's what I think of when I think of a roadmap. And the four milestones that successful partnerships are going to hit that you want to share is number one, the game plan, which is the strategic plan, two, building the engine, three, tweaking slash redesigning website, and four, the inbound campaigns. This helps your client understand what to expect and also what's going to happen along the way in between those steps. You don't want uncertainty to be there. You're not, you shouldn't be acting like a magician, like, and poof, now we're going to do this. Ah, Give me a round of applause. No, (laughs) uncertainty is not going to be your friend. Inbound is a big investment. It's a culture change. It's significant. You want to lead with a roadmap. And if you don't have a framework for how you run an inbound partnership, you need to develop one and document one. So go hit pause Go lock yourself in a quiet room or a coffee house <laughs> and do this right now because you need it. 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 And if you don't believe me, you need it. Uh, so come with a roadmap and share the milestones your clients are going to encounter along the way. If you do just that, I promise you that your relationships will be double as smooth and successful along the way. I need to take a breath now. <laughs> Point of warning here, Ben. And I te- this is confessions of a tactical marketer here. It's easy in this time to get uber, uber technical about how you're going to help them reach their goals with inbound marketing. And that's not what we want to do when we, sh- when we share the roadmap and we share them with them how inbound works for the company. We always want to connect it back to them and why they care. This is your opportunity to get buy-in from each of those different people across the organization 
focus on the why for them. Don't geek out on how cool it is to blog or what cool things you can do on social media. We can geek out on that on inbound.org. Let's not bore (laughs) bore our clients with that because we're trying to create buy-in and we're trying to get them to invest in this push because the more people you get to invest and buy in, the higher the likelihood that inbound is actually going to catch on. And this is a, a client that you can work with over a long period of time. So make sure that you share this roadmap with them, but don't geek out too much on what goes into each phase because that can actually turn some people off and allow them to just kind of tune out the message that you're sharing. And that rolls into step three, which is reviewing expectations. And this is perhaps the most important time in this meeting, just getting out of everyone. What do you expect through this process? Coming from your perspective, what are your expectations? And I have a mentor who taught me how to manage a room in this way. And he, he's from the consulting background, the marketing research background. And this is what I saw him do really, really well, was give everyone around the table an opportunity to speak. And that's really important. If there's a CEO or if there's a, a leader of a department that's really, really pushy and really, really always gets their two cents in, have an opportunity. We call it a yama where the, each person around the table has a minute or has 30 seconds or two minutes, whatever you want to set the time frame as, but they can speak and no one can interrupt them. Ben, that's huge. It's huge to just let people share where they're coming from and take notes during that time, guys, because as the consultant coming in, this is your, t- this is your chance to really figure out what are the dynamics that we're facing here? What are the nuggets that I might not have heard if I only let that CEO talk and talk and talk for the two hours. So when I talk about coming into a meeting, coming into an engagement as the leader, as the person who's coming in and guiding or conducting this engagement, this is one big area where it comes into play. You can't let a CEO run this meeting and take the control away from you. You have to have the the rapport with them to come in and maybe it's even meeting with them prior to this and saying, hey, this is how this is going to go down. I'm going to run this. I'm going to give everyone a chance to talk. Can we agree on these terms of engagement here? Um, and I've never had an issue with that. Once you just address it up front and say, hey, can I have permission to ask you to be quiet if you're speaking too much so that I can hear from the other members of the department? That, you know, it kind of sounds like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. But if you just lead with that and you get a chance to hear the expectations from everyone and share their points of view, you're going to have a lot more meat that you can then take into the game plan process. Because Ben, if all we have is sort of the the warped perceptions of a CEO who thinks their company is great and their customers are stupid for not buying from them, we're not in a good position to build a strategy to help them achieve their goals with all that. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And we've all been in those meetings where the CEO just absolutely dominates. And you know what you get out of those sessions? Pretty much nothing. You get little pieces of Oscar Mayer bologna instead of a full rack of ribs of meat. People around that table who are in the trenches every day, and not just in the trenches, but in different trenches and in different perspectives, they all have something to contribute. And in order to to really get the truth and to get good content, you have to pull that out as you're saying. And I think also in this period, maybe this is done before the actual discovery meeting with you know your point of contact and the various leadership team, but you have to review payment terms, how long it's going to take inbound to see results, and communication expectations. This is where you can nip a lot of bad things right away before they can sprawl into some really big issues here. And as far as communication expectations, this is something that I always like to stress right away, is you need to make it clear that you're going to communicate 
on a regular basis. And we recommend a weekly call, a monthly call, and then a quarterly meeting if possible so that you can keep everyone in the loop and you can keep things moving. And you have to be able to review these expectations because if they have issues up front, you want to be able to deal with those before those issues become burning conflicts that torture entire relationship. Yeah. And we did a few episodes back in season one, Ben, that might help folks out. We can link them up in the show notes here just about how to gather information from a client early on and how to uh, really walk through some of the repeatable aspects of this process. Um, you don't want to hammer it all out in the meeting. You want to have a structure and a framework using the using your CRM. How do you communicate with your point of contact, collect the right information, everything like that. So we'll, we'll include in the show notes here. If you just go to doinbound.com slash learning, you'll get redirected to the Learning Center. Find the Happy Client Show there. Drill down to this episode, and we'll have all the resources you need in there about how you can go about doing this. The next step, step four in this process, is just kind of establishing next steps, and that's going to be uh, figuring out who's the solid point of contact if you don't know it already. And a word of warning: don't don't have the CEO or the president as your point of contact, and you should sniff that out in the sales process. But if a CEO says, "No, I'll be the person you're working with on this." I've never had that work out well, and I've never talked with any other marketing agencies that have had that work out well over the long term on a serious-sized retainer because the, the nature of a CEO is they have a ton of things on their plate and they have a ton of things going on. So if you come in and you try to work with them as a on weekly calls and stuff, things are going to come up, things are going to get pushed back, and it's not going to be a high enough priority for you to get their time every single week. And even if you do manage to pull that off, they're engaged in a different level of thinking on a daily basis. We want someone who we can work with in the trenches to pull this stuff off. So make sure you set a solid point of contact who's not the president, not the CEO, not the owner. And number two, identify who are the persona experts that we want to talk to in the company. So when we dive in and we understand we want the entire strategy to, to put the, the client's customer at the center of everything. So we need to know who knows those customers really well and set up times to interview them. And understand through those, in addition, are there any content experts that we need to know about who can answer those questions? Sometimes you're going to have a point of contact who knows the persona really well, but might not know the subject matter really well. So we need to know who's our point of contact that we're working with on a weekly basis, who is the persona expert that we can go to and interview to get a better understanding of the customers, and who are the content experts that we can go and interview to answer questions that personas are asking those are those three things. And having these people's names in place is key now. Even if they're in that room around that table, you begin to build that relationship so you're not scrambling a couple months down the road. That's step number four. And now lastly is step number five, pull out objections, concerns, and worries. Ben, do you want to give us an overview and like what are the important aspects of this step and why did, you, that, why did we include it in this onboarding process? Yeah, this is a time, and I, I love being blunt with people. And during this time, you have to have people who can get over that first meeting politeness that they so often hide behind and put out their blunt objections, concerns, and worries so that you can address them and that you can squash them when they're little tiny bugs instead of Godzilla's hiding in the sewer. So if you don't pull out these objections, concerns, and worries, again, they're going to eat your lunch later. So you really have to focus on, hey, seriously, guys, what are you worried about right now? Do you have any concerns before we begin? Any major worries 
And that way you can address them, reassure them, and honestly just move on. That's so important to running a successful relationship. Yeah. You might pull some of these out of step three when people start sharing their expectations. They might naturally share their worries or their concerns. But if they haven't, just take a time to say, hey, uh, just to clear the air, is there anyone here who is concerned about inbound? Are there anything here that bothers you? You're going to hear some really, really good insight that will help you structure your communication moving forward. So there are the five steps that you want to make sure that you include in your onboarding process. Securing all key players, get them around the table so you can build buy-in. Develop a roadmap that you can share so that you show them, here is where we are going to guide you. We're not here to react to your situation, but we're here to usher you along a journey that will deliver you the results that we talked about, that we've agreed upon through the sales process. Reviewing the expectations, that's step three, so that everyone around the table has a voice and we know where they're coming from and what they're expecting through this process, and we can address any expectations that are out of line there. Fourth point is to establish a solid point of contact if you do not already have one, and then dive into those persona content experts and the content material experts on the team and understand who do we need to talk to, who do we need to interview in our next steps. And then five, pull out those objections. Just take time to kind of clear the air and make sure that everyone's on the same page, that we all agree on that roadmap moving forward, address any issues that we need to there. Those are the five points that you want to make sure you hit in your onboarding process. Guys, thank you so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed this podcast, Ben and I would really appreciate your feedback. If you could head over to iTunes, leave us a review there. That's your opportunity to share your thoughts. And it's also what iTunes looks at and helps them share the show with other people like you. So if you've enjoyed the content that we're sharing here, if you're excited to dive into more of this customer journey, we encourage you to to tune in again next week. Ben and I are going to be talking about the five signs you need to start using an inbound game plan with your clients Tune in next week if you want to grab that content. Until next time, keep rolling.